0: Let's start with a little bit of trivia. Who is the first disciple of Jesus? Just kind of thinking. You know, might think Peter. He's in the fisherman. He's the first one that Jesus actually calls himself. You might think John the Baptist. He actually said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And In fact, John the Baptist jumped in the womb. But he's not the first. Mary is the first disciple of Jesus. And Mary's life is like trail markers. You know, in the the times I've gone backpacking or hiking in the woods, it's nice when there's trail markers. So every so often you see either, you know, a red tag or a yellow tag or a sign. And so you know you're on the right trail and you know about how far you've gone and about how far you have to go and you're like, okay, I'm on the right track. And Mary's life can be like that too. See, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all about Jesus. But Mary's story shows up every so often as she walks with Jesus. And we can look at her spiritual progression as she walks with Jesus and ask ourselves, am I following Jesus? And if so, where am I on my journey? Do I actually have the life of a Jesus follower? Because Mary had the life of a Jesus follower. And the beginning point in following Jesus is being chosen to follow Jesus. It was had me thinking about something. Uh, Jennifer, she turns in uh, points, or she she gets codes from Coca Cola bottles, and she enters those online. And then we win stuff. She wins stuff every so often, and sometimes we win movie tickets. And it's nice to win the movie tickets. You know, she's chosen to go to the movies, but. We actually have to go to the movies to experience the joy of being chosen. And as our scripture that we read earlier today about the transfiguration, the voice of the Father came from heaven says, Jesus was chosen. It says, this is my chosen son. Listen to him. And then Jesus chose his disciples. So I'd like to be chosen. That's the start. Of following Jesus. And we see Mary being chosen in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, rejoice, favored woman. The Lord is with you. So the first thing we see about a follower of Jesus, and I'm going to use the term disciple for that. A disciple receives a messenger from God. A disciple receives a messenger from God. It says this is taking place in the sixth month. And it's kind of interesting. We can't say for sure when this date was. (coughs) Depending on the translation you have, it might say in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy which is one way of interpreting that. So the time Mary is given is relative to that of somebody else. Because of the previous verses were talking about Elizabeth and Zechariah. And so relative to Elizabeth, now we are six months later. Or it could just be meaning the sixth month of the Jewish calendar, the month of Elul. That's basically August and September time frames. It's interesting, there's no specific Jewish holiday in that month. But it's somewhat like Lent that we're getting ready to enter into on Wednesday. It's this this time during this month, the sixth month of the Jewish year, it was a time of repentance and preparation for the High Holy Days that came later. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. They didn't happen during this month, but they were coming. It's kind of Ordinary time to get ready for the big things to come. Now, also in these verses, we put capital letters in these sentences. The Angel Gabriel. And our tradition says that that's, well, that was the angel's name, Gabriel. But the sentence is actually very generic. Angel just means messenger, and Gabriel means Man of God. So, it's really just saying, the messenger, a man of God, was sent by God. Now, we believe it to be an angel, but you hear how just generic that is? A messenger, a man of God, was sent by God. That could be anybody. It could be any time, it could be anybody. But this... Messenger, man of God, who sent by God, was sent to a particular region, Galilee. Was sent to a particular town, Nazareth. And was sent to a particular person, Mary. Anybody remember Mr. McFeely from Mr. Rogers? Mr. McFeely... We always see him. You know, he apparently delivered to everybody in Mister Rogers' neighborhood, but we always saw him delivering specifically to Mister Rogers. He always brought him something. He had something particular to bring, and it, it. In some ways, it reminds me. You know, this week was Chamber of Commerce, and going to the Chamber of Commerce is not really my favorite thing to do. Not that it's bad. It's good food and stuff. But as an introvert being there with 30 to 60 people is just not energizing for me. So what I do is I go to the Chamber of Commerce to talk to two people. I talk to one person that I've met before and I talk to one person that is new that I've never met before. I go there very specific to talk to just two people. And that, that's kinda what we're looking at with Gabriel. He's just come, he's going to this, it's a generic time, generic person, but he's going to talk to somebody very specific in a very specific place. And that lets me think that I as a human being, I'm either in need of the message from God, or I'm supposed to be the messenger from God. I only have those two choices. I either need the message, or I'm the messenger. If you need the message, the message is simple. Jesus is the chosen son of God. He gave his life so that you could be chosen to have a new life with him. Now and forever. That's the message. And if I am the messenger, and you think of this, this happens more than just once, Gabriel to Mary or Philip on the road to Damascus, Went to talk to one guy. Then I'm God's man or woman. I am sent by God to a particular region, the East Twin Cities, to a particular town, in my case Oakdale, and to a particular person. You only need to reach one person and give them a message. Then, when that person gets the message, get one more person. You know, Jesus told his disciples at the end of his ministry in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, "Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit." There is more to making a disciple than just giving the invitation, but it starts with the invitation. The messenger has to give the message. And here's the thing whether I'm receiving the message or I'm the person giving the message, this exchange can take place at any time. See, just like with Mary, the angel didn't wait till Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur, he just came at the sixth month of something. I don't need to wait for Easter. Or Christmas. It's just time that's relative between me and that one other person I'm talking to. That's the right time. See, in order to follow Jesus, a person needs an invitation. And they need to be a person. They say, well, that's obvious, right? But our second point is, a disciple is mortal, not God got a picture up here that's from Leonardo da vinci that's the virtuvian man that was his attempt to draw what the perfect human looked like in proportion but that person doesn't actually exist there's nobody with those proportions and god's not looking for perfect people god's looking for people to make perfect Who is Mary? Well, it says Mary is an engaged virgin. So she's kind of single and she's kind of married at the same time. It says she's a virgin. So we know she's somebody who can make and has made choices about her life and her behavior. We know she has parents and ancestors. She is in the line of David. Now, being in the lineage of David, that was important at one time in history. But during her lifetime, it's not very important at all. And she has a very common name. There's so many Marys in the gospel, it's hard to keep track. That's why they say, well, this is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And this is Mary Magdalene. And this is the other Mary. Now, in in church history... (coughs) There is a, not quite a creedal statement, it's called the Chalcedonian formula. And we're going to say that, part of that at the end of service. The Chalcedonian formula is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But it's gotten misapplied in history to be one line to be speaking about Mary. Here's here's what it says in one spot. It says, as regard his, that's Jesus' Godhead, Begotten of the Father before the ages, but yet as regards his manhood, begotten for us men and for our salvation of Mary the Virgin, the God-bearer. One and the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, recognized in two natures without confusion, without change, without division, without separation. It's that one thing, Mary the God-bearer, that threw people off. And they debated that for a while if they were going to use this word, Theotokos, God-bearer, or Christotokos, Messiah-bearer. And ultimately, they went with God-bearer because what this this creed is talking about is the nature of Jesus. And it runs in, in these parallel tracks saying, he is fully God, and he is fully man. And so when they say he was born of Mary, that makes him human, but they also want to say, but... He was born God, so she was the God-bearer, or she she bore God, but it's been taken to say, Mary, mother of God. But she was human. You have to be a mortal to be a disciple of Jesus. Hebrews 2.16 put it this way, He assuredly does not give help to angels but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. God helps us people. But every human can be chosen because every human is invited. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And First John 4.14. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the chosen? No, of the world. See, Jesus is chosen, and his church is chosen in him. As we read from Luke 9 this morning, the voice came out of the cloud and said, This is my Son, the chosen one. Listen to him. And then in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. The Apostle Paul writes, He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ himself. So can I be saved? Yes, because I'm a mortal person. Can you be saved? Yes, because you're a person. So who's that one person that I and you need to give the message of salvation to? Well, just pick a person. It could be anybody. Because the invitation goes to any mortal person. See, a follower of Jesus is any mortal person who joins Jesus by accepting that invitation. And then a disciple meets God. God. See, the most important part of the story is not Mary met an angel. Now for me, that would probably be the highlight of my day. I met an angel. Might be the highlight of my week or my year if I met an angel. But the angel doesn't come to Mary and say, be happy because you met an angel today. He says, be happy Because God is inviting you, human female, because God wants to be with you. He says, God is with you. He doesn't say an angel is with you. The important part was that she was meeting with God. When I went to Israel, it was an interesting thing, as we went to all these different sites, and we were told before we got there, Different places are going to impact each one of us differently. Says some people. Says you're going to get to a spot and you're just going to meet with God there. And one of the places we went was to a chapel where they uh, where we commemorate the feeding of the five thousand. And my friend Sean, who I was rooming, uh, rooming with. That was really meaningful place to him. And he sat there and he just prayed and poured out his heart to God there. And for me, that was just kind of like, eh, I didn't really meet with God there. But that was a really meaningful place for him. And then later, we went to the house of Caiaphas and down into the basement. And you can see, it's kind of hard to tell. that There's a hole in the top. That was a dry cistern in the time of Jesus. And that's where they would have dropped him down as they waited trial. And with people in my family that have gone to prison, I met with God down there. That was a meaningful place to me. It's interesting, sometimes in our Bible versions we have words that are translated heart when the literal word does not actually mean the muscle in our chest that pumps our blood. But we translated heart, or sometimes it's translated imagination. Sometimes it's translated soul. Because different cultures, what they're trying to get across by saying heart is, for us, when we say, oh, I love you from the bottom of my heart, we're talking about from the center of our being. And different cultures had different places that were the center of their being. And so sometimes the word literally is stomach or gut, but we translate it heart. Sometimes the word is soul. Sometimes, and we, sometimes we translate it imagination because we think of the mind. Sometimes it's womb. Talking about where's that inner spot where we meet with God? See, cause sometimes we say, right, accept Jesus into your heart. Mary didn't accept Jesus into her heart. Mary accepted Jesus into her womb. See, for, correct me if I'm wrong ladies, but at some point in your life, isn't the center part of your being your womb? Not meaning to be crude here, but for an adolescent, the center of their life might be their genitals for a time. For another person, their mind is the center of their life. I was thinking about Motorcycle Paul this week as I, as I looked at this, and I wonder if the center point of his life is his skin, or actually his, his sense of feeling. Here's why I I thought of this. We call him Motorcycle Paul because he likes to ride motorcycles. Motorcycles, you feel the vibration of the motorcycle. You feel all the, the outdoors nature on you as you travel. He plays guitar. Guitar is not just about sound. It's about the vibration. You feel it in your body and in your fingers as well as in your ear. Paul, I don't know if you could actually meet with God if God didn't vibrate with you. Do you know what the core of your being is? Do you know what the core of your being is? That's an important question. Because how I know if I'm a follower of Jesus is if i've met him there at the core of my being a follower of jesus is any mortal person who accepts the invitation message and joins jesus in the core of their being now, if you ever at my house and you want to take a look at my senior yearbook from high school there's one thing that's kind of funny in there. Is, I'm in the picture for the National Honor Society Club. Now, I was on the honor roll. I had every right to be in the National Honor Society Club. But I never actually joined. I just showed up on picture day. And I realized when I pulled that off, it's like, and I thought about doing this, but I just, I didn't take the time. I said nobody's checking. I said I could get the schedule of when clubs are taking pictures from the yearbook club, and I could show up for everything and just be there, and nobody would say anything. Looking back, I should have done that. See, nobody questioned whether or not I should have been there. You know, we have our first marker on the trail. A follower of Jesus is chosen. Have I chosen to follow Jesus? And if I am, am I inviting others? We need to question, are we actually there? Let's pray. Psalm 99 says, Let us confess the great and awesome name of the chosen Holy One we, your followers, call you and you answer because you are a God who forgives. Lord, today we come to you because you first loved us. Let us be your people who meet with you in the core of our being and are transformed by that meeting. And then take that new life and in invitation to others. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, the chosen one of God. Amen. You stand and sing, uh, Lord, you have my heart with us.
1: a very important song to me um it's uh to me um it it began one of the miracles um that I've been a, a part of been touched by probably one of the most personal ones um when god met with me just extremely literally um, I'm really Really excited to be able to do it, really excited to be able to have my desk camp team here to help us out with it, because this song needs that, but um, sometime get the time I'll tell you the whole story, it's a long one, but this, this song is is very important to me and very close to my heart. Have my heart, and I will search for yours. Jesus, take my life and lead me on. Lord, you have my heart, and I will search. I you a sacrifice.
0: You who are walking in fellowship with God and are in love and harmony with your neighbors, and you who do truly and earnestly repent of your sin and intend to lead a new life, following the commandments of God and walking from this time in His holy ways, draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort and meekly make your humble confession to Almighty God. For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night He was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Let's pray. Lord, today we know we are... Of ourselves, not worthy. But you invite us to your table. You invite us to relationship with you. You stand at the door and knock. And anyone who opens the door, you will come and eat with him. So today, we accept that invitation to eat with you. Knowing that it is by your blood that we are made worthy. We ask this in the name of Jesus, the chosen Savior. Amen. Pass out the elements and ask that you please hold them. We'll partake together.
1: grace for sin. Our humble Savior gave it all, so we'd be seated with the Lord. Hark the hail of angels sing. Hear the sound and enter in. There's a place reserved Jesus eats with everyone. Hear the whisper of His heart. The goodness of our saving God. It doesn't matter what we've done. Because Jesus eats with everyone.
0: Preserve your soul and body unto everlasting life. Take and eat this, remembering that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, to preserve your soul and body unto everlasting life. Drink this, remembering that Christ's blood was shed for you.